Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The Treehouse, episode 45, Ignatz Ratsky-Watsky with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Now, I can see you. Good morning, everyone, by the way. Here we go again with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And I've got to say, there was a, a querulous look across uh, Lou's face there, Lou Napoleon Pepper, uh, as you had to say the phrase, Ignaz Rasky Watsky. <laughs> uh, it was fear of getting it wrong. No, well, yeah, it's, it, 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 well once heard, never forgotten, Lou. Uh, and I, as you know, the, the titles of these shows are just coincidental, just there to cheer things up uh, and occasionally... I, I feel the need to say, well, what, what is Ignatz Ratsky Watsky? A lot of people will be saying, oh, what do we think we are? Hey, Hayseeds, we know Ignatz Ratsky Watsky. The great, great Preston Sturgis, one of the great comedy directors of all time, uh, in uh, Hail the Conquering Hero, I believe. Uh, he, uh, it may be Miracle of Morgan's Creek now, I think about it. Anyway, uh, his character has to come up on the spot with a pseudonym. And, and, and they said, whatever you do, don't give your real name. And they say, you. What's your name? And for some reason, he panics and goes, uh, Ignatz Ratsky Watsky. <laughs> Not John Smith. No, he calls himself Ignatz Ratsky Watsky. And for a lot of the film, he's stuck with that. His name is Ignatz Ratsky Watsky. <laughs> the idea that when Preston Sturgis was writing that script, he came up with that must have just tickled him, I hope, as much as it does me. Anyway, here we are again, everyone. And uh, uh, unusually, here on show 45, mm-hmm. man, we pumped out over a day and a half of this racket, getting up two days of this racket for very little stipend. 
and uh, uh, and so, but, but, but we enjoy meeting here. Uh, so, uh, Don't let daylight in. Upon that, but the daylight doesn't affect the magic yet. So look, uh, um, uh, we've done so many, and the emails have been terrific. Everyone's done their part, and uh, but every week there's this groundswell of unused emails. That, mm-hmm. uh, you must think there's an audience. Well, I ain't right to them again. We never hear of it, but that is not true. Every now and then, about every ten shows from now, we're going to say. Let, let's not overlook the soldiers because they're all there. We just, when we usually here, when we do the show, we just pump for the nearest ones. So today, uh, <laughs> rather than have any new subjects, we're going to just go back into those we have uh, missed over the weeks, and that's what we're going to do. However, perhaps the usual offices remain. Yes. Open. And I didn't get very far into my research when I started sucking the thoughtful tooth and thought, Ooh, what do I know day. about him? Because uh, today, uh, as I recall this anyway, um, it is the birthday of Hu Chi Minh. Oh, okay. Uncle Ho, as he was known, which is as good a name for a rapper as I've ever heard. But uh, Ho Chi Minh uh, was born today variously between 1890 and 1895. Oh, it's my granddad again. Yes, it is. Now, hang on. You're already Louise Napoleon Pepper. You start to be called Louise Napoleon Chi Minh Pepper, if you want (laughs) to say that's your lineage, Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Ho Chi Minh may be your grandfather. Uh, But so between... He changed it like a a 1930s actress. Uh, He moved it up to 1892 then to 1894, and then finally to 1895. Oh, who would have thought? Ho himself would have been so uh, delicate about his age. But but I'll race through this if I can. Uh, He was uh, raised as a Confucian. Right. I I don't know. I I couldn't bear to click on the link for Confucius because I'd have never got back. Do you know much about Confucius? Oh, only that sort of... Confucius, he say exactly, and we don't know whether that's uh, you know insulting or not. No, exactly. I got. I don't think it is. Confucius must have said something, mustn't he? He didn't. He wasn't mute. He he said. He had plenty to say by the sounds of things. He uh, uh, he was anyway. So Ho Chi Minh was. Well, the one thing we know about Ho Chi Minh is it named modern Ho Chi Minh. He's another one of those. He was a city. It, 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 really... it became a city. Right. Uh, but he was born, stay with this, everyone, because there's plenty here. Uh, he was born Giang Sing Kung, right? But in the tradition of Confucian, uh, Confucius uh, teachings, his father gave him a new name when he got to be 10. <laughs> oh! I would. <laughs> Well, if you'd do. asked me when I was 10, I would have probably wanted to be Kim just... or Debbie. I would have. Would you? Kim? Kim. No, I, I called my baby Kim, my dolly. Maybe by I'm... 10, no, by 10, I would, in 1988, I would possibly have moved on to sort of a Kylie or really? something like that, okay. maybe. I should so. I, I, I bet you couldn't have been Kim, because I bet one of Ho Chi Minh's sisters, or indeed brothers, was called Kim. And it's usually, you know, the way, uh, it's like being John, isn't it? So anyway, he, he then changed his name to Yen Tak Than at 10. Not Where... to Ho Chi Minh? No. Okay. I, I looked pretty cursorily, it must be said, across these notes to find out, well, why Ho Chi Minh? But I never got to that. But anyway, at 10, uh, in the Confucius uh, faith you know, followings, you can change your name. I'd Aaron. I wanted to be called Aaron oh, at Aaron. one time. A, little, big A, little A, R-O-M. Aaron. That's me. Uh, in The Simpsons. They, they had this discussion, of course they do, in The Simpsons at one point. And Bart says to, you know, the, the old classmates are all having it. And they're all coming up with their names, like with Superman. They're all coming up with these incredible ones. And for some reason, Bart just jogs his finger to him, uh, thumb to himself and says, Steve Bennett. 
Steve Bennett. Now, that would have been something for the ages if at the age of 10, Ho Chi Minh had changed his name to Steve Bennett. <laughs> the American Army could have understood that a little, I think. Anyway, we're getting absolutely nowhere here, of course. Uh, so we started, um, uh, he, he kind of started traveling the world as a, a late teenager. Uh, went, went all over the place, pitched up, pitched up in Harlem and then Boston and thought, no, no, I think uh, uh, England's the place to be. Ho Chi Minh goes to West Ealing, lives in Crouch End for a while what? in London. Lives in Crouch End. Not only that, he's the pastry chef at the Drayton Court Hotel. <laughs> I, I look at your face, Peps, this is true. Uh, a long time ago, when I did um, Grandparents' Brushes with Fame, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll open that again, who did your parents or grandparents meet not you just coincidentally and a caller rang in and said uh, my grandparents uh, uh, were served a dinner on the cross channel ferry by Ho Chi Minh now that's a huge one it wasn't quite as good as Emperor Emperor Hirohito came into their uh, ballroom dancing classes uh, where his top hat on in over in the Balls Pond Road but so he was he was the pastry chef at the Drayton Court Hotel and I then found yes he did he worked on the New Haven to Dieppe ferry as the pastry Chef, Ho Chi Minh, madam. Ho Chi Minh. But how would you remember it was Ho Chi Minh? I don't want to talk about. Well, it depends what name he was going by at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Your nan's never going to say, "Oh, I met whatever these." You wouldn't. How would you remember the pastry chef on the grandparents? The thing is, they found that information. I mean, Mm. would you say, um, um, waiter, um, this pastry was particularly good? Who who was the chef? I'll check, sir. Comes back. Um, I find it was created by the future revolutionary leader of Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh, sir. One day, Saigon will be named after him. <laughs> oh, thank you. Tell him I've had cream horns all over the world, and that was absolutely superlative. Why would you know Ho Chi Minh was your pastry chef on a ferry? <laughs> I'm amazed a ferry has a pastry chef, to be fair. Those were the In days. The glory days, I Those guess, Those yeah. were the days. That was port out, starboard home, of course. Anyway, uh, Ho Chi Minh himself, uh, going under whatever name, steaming under whatever name he chose was the pastry chef uh, not only on the ferry he was at the Drayton Court Hotel uh, the, other, the only other thing we need to know about um, uh, Ho Chi Minh because the rest of his life after that tails off like so many for me no it is once he, once he gets into the, the revolutionary racket and the Vietnam War you're still thinking pastry chef at the Drayton Court Hotel, eh? Maybe that's where it all began. I know. This oh, rebellious yeah, streak. A couple of Americans came in, didn't tip him. Bang, there, there. And that changes the world, my friends. So um, his, uh, uh, his hobbies were reading, gardening, and feeding his fish, many who are still alive. How about that? Min went in 69. Oh, he went. Uh, he was a polyglot and spoke v- most languages in the world and uh, was absolutely fluent in Esperanto. Ah. Now, what do you know of Esperanto, perhaps? What do you know of Esperanto? Made up, wasn't it? Meant to be the universal language? It, it was supposed to be everyone's second language. Right, OK. And, it, and it's big, big, Which, which fact, actually, I, I've, got, I've got a lot of time for. I think that'd be quite handy. Yeah, it, exactly. Because the idea that you, the pressure's on to speak various languages, well, if you, everyone had a universal second language, there's your default. It makes absolute sense, uh, but it never caught on. It was invented... We're going to start the show any second. It was invented by a Polish optician, <laughs> uh, L. L. Zamanov, who wrote under a pseudonym and created under under his pseudonym, and his pseudonym was Doctoro Esperanto. Ah, 
Doctoro. Anyway. The first word I shall create in my new language is Doctoro. <laughs> and, um, and, and like all made-up languages, he sticks an O on the end of it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's foreign sounding enough. So uh, we're going to get back to Min and then start the show. But uh, here are some Esperanto things I looked up. Ooh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't just, you know, sit around whistling Dixie before we come on the air, you know, get all this going on. Here we go. Um, uh, hello is Saluton. Kind of makes okay, sense. Okay, I can see where he came up with that one. Yeah. Yes is yes with a J. Because <laughs> uh, they don't have a Q, W, X or Y, but they have various letters Helpful. twice okay. with uh, those little snakes over them, like the Spanish. Uh, 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 good morning. Bona matenon. But this sounds just like any amount of language. It is. It, it is literally just squeezing it, together a bit of this and a bit of that. I love you. Me amas vin. One I like beer. wine, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one beer, please, is una birra mi petas. Now it does. If this, if I told you this was Portuguese, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's your Esperanto, which is a little bit of it. See if you've learned anything in this Esperanto lesson. Okay. Play along at home. Uh, uh, I'm going to give you the Esperanto. What do you think? What do you think it Ooh, says? Oh, this is good. Tio estes hundo. Tio estes hundo. What do you think? Uh, he is handsome. No, that's a little too on the nose there. Think of that last one. Oh, he is a dog. <laughs> it's that is a dog. That is that's the phrase. Tio estes hundo. Forgive the uh, uh, female uh, uh, psychology there. He is a dog. It is a dog. Yeah, how about that? Uh, it is a dog. So, okay. or that is a dog. So there's your Esperanto, uh, and now we'll leap straight back to the uh, dying days of, of Ho Chi Minh. Uh, dreaming, dreaming of the good old days when he would lay the pastry and the filo. But here was embalmed in Badin Square. Now, I've never seen an embalmed body. Would you go and see one? No. You Who wouldn't? else is embalmed? Isn't Lenin embalmed? Lenin is, yeah. Lenin's yeah. embalmed. Million laughs when you go there. Uh, uh, well, no, Les Dawson always used to say, um, uh, when he first started as a comedian, he said, I got a review that said my act had all the humour and warmth of a suicide attempt in Lenin's tomb. <laughs> 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 uh, I think I would. I, I mean, uh, I think a uh, Mao was. Um, uh, Not sure I'd queue. If I was passing oh. and they said it was open, I'd, I'd maybe stroll in. It's I don't think I'd queue. Sometimes it's just the head and the hands. Who's that fellow? Is it Bentley? Sits in the uh, beginning, uh, the entrance oh. to a, a museum in London, doesn't he? And he sits there looking like the Quaker Oats man. Uh, and he's in a case. Uh, and I've looked at photos of that. But it, if they told me he was made out of wax, then I'd believe that too. But uh, I, I think the same to be said for it. I think this is like the jewellery made out of teeth. It's not something I've had to ponder yet. No, no. Uh, Vivian Stansel uh, said, when, uh, as Sir Henry at Rawlinson End, when I go, don't want a funeral, embalm me, stick me in the hall, put a flex up the backside and use me as a lamp. Now, I think there, there's, uh, there's something in that as well. But we're getting nowhere here talking about embalming pastry chefs uh, this morning, perhaps. What are we doing? What's the actual show going to be? Well, we are actually clearing the decks. Clearing we're the not, decks, everyone. We're not doing no topics. No, we're we just... ain't doing no topics. So It's a free-for-all. Uh, we have got so much uh, stuff around us, and you're saying, yeah, well, thanks a lot. We're not going to get through that again, are we? But uh, give us the first one you've got from the backlog, no matter how far 
far back it goes, all our subjects remain open. Where you go, Pips? Well, actually, the top of this, it says Treehouse 33. So that, that tells you, that places it. 12 weeks ago? No. This is from, from Pete. Mm-hmm. Decades ago, he, his t- subject is apropos of nothing. So he hasn't even gone for one of the topics. Good for him. Some decades ago, I used to waste my time earning a crust in the court service. Picture the scene, a fusty courtroom round the corner from Soho with the waiting room and courtroom separated by a double-doored antechamber with each door with a face-sized porthole window. One particularly dull afternoon, the case which centred around conflicting expert witnesses' reports, the sitting magistrate decided to retire to consider a point of the law Hmm. and announced they would need a minimum of 45 minutes and that the courtroom should be cleared. It crossed my mind, it was no doubt entirely unconnected, that those 45 minutes would tally with the amount of play left until tea in that day's test match at Lord's. (laughs) Having politely ushered the remaining barristers and solicitors out of the room and locked the innermost doors, it fell upon the usher and I to prepare the room for their return. This we did by the medium of off-ground touch, recruiting a few players from the office down the corridor. A good time was had by all. So good a time, in fact, that none of us noticed the chief clerk of court standing, peering <laughs> through the porthole with the kind of disapproval I haven't seen this side of a school report. The chief clerk duly hauled me over the court coals and issued me with a written warning for misconduct and that any similar behaviour would see my tenure within the courts terminated forthwith. I considered telling him if he thought off-ground touch was inappropriate, he should have been there the other week when Tommy and I... had. <laughs> Have put on a Star Wars puppet show for a quarter. No. Using glove puppets. No, really? The, the, so the, 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 it's off, this off-ground touch. Oh, uh, game uh, of my Explain child. for anyone out there who's not, you know, missing the sporting world as much as we. How would you describe uh, off-ground touch? Off-ground touch was it, or had, or tig, or it, tag, or yeah, any e, of those. E. But you couldn't be caught if you were off-ground mm. at the moment of, of being you literally it, l- l- like a like a, one of those goats, like the old mountain goat herself. You you hang on to the light fittings and uh, onto the skirting board. You sit on there. And we, onto that. I remember we came up with like a ten-second rule because otherwise some people would climb on the benches in the playground and just sit there for the whole game. So then you used to stand over them, going one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, oh, four right. Mississippi, five, and then as soon as they put their foot down, uh, I got you. You're, you're counting Mississippi way too fast there. I would have stopped you. You can't. You can't just speed it up it has a point one mississippi two mississippi or whatever um and we'll get into uh, rhymes and, and reasons one day of childhood games uh, this requires some of our more um thoughtful not to say spooky music here we go now again i haven't got a name on this i'm so sorry uh it's either i've cut it off or it never made it through here we go uh this is about um, what have you stolen we did quite a few weeks ago what are you admitting you once stole This says, an item I stole has literally haunted me for over 20 years. I went on a trip to Egypt in my 20s. One day we went to, of course, visit the Pharaoh's tombs in the Valley of the Kings. Now, I've been in a job for two years where the whole department travelled the world with an ongoing challenge to bring back unusual souvenirs. I once hauled a yellow brick back from Kansas. You get the idea. I'm now in a pharaoh's tomb and there's stones on the ground. So I think, well, that's cool. I could have a stone from a proper pharaoh's tomb. Into the pocket of my shorts it went, and after pretending to tie my shoelaces, back it came to the UK. Then, when we were back, it was pointed out to me that this small round mound of rubble I'd brought back might be cursed. Cursed? Well, where did you take it from? 
my initial thought was, well, that's nonsense, but on reflection, I wasn't so sure. But how do you get rid of it? I've seen too many horror films where a little child on a tricycle sees the stone, picks it up, and the whole world catches fire. So the stone ended up in a ring box, and I put this ring box in a drawer. I've now moved house about five times because I don't dare throw the damn thing away. Every time I've moved, I've come across it, sighed, and put it back in the box. I need to get it home to Egypt. That's the thing, and one day I will. I, I need to find a cure. I need to get shot of the thing. I need to break this curse. <laughs> now that—that's it. I mean, I and I saw. Have your accursed? You, the thing is with that, you think, ah,、oh, yeah, come on, but. Really, you've got you took something from a pharaoh's tomb. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, who was it who did the original dig?、Uh, Lord Carnarvon.、Mm. Well, it was a Tutankhamun one, anyway. Yeah, they, they, they said there's a curse over everyone who went into that, and it's absolutely true because Carnarvon、uh, opened that tomb, I think, in 26, and over the next 50 years, all his teeth fell out. <laughs> Now,、uh, I, I, I don't believe in the fourth dimension, but that you can look up. Lord Carnarvon's teeth fell out、uh, until the last one. Went when he was 89. So if there is that friend there, watch how you brush, my friend. <laughs> first one goes. You better get on the first plane to Cairo. By the way, you, you know,、um, and I like these shows where we just do this.、Uh, Cairo, Epps.、Um, uh-huh. Have I told you this?、Uh, the original name of Cairo. Do you know what、uh, Cairo's first name was? Maybe I've got this the wrong way round. No, I don't think I have. No, I have. I've got it the wrong way round. <laughs>、uh, Uh, anyway, the thing is, the point is, and you can look this up. I can't do all the legwork on these shows.、Mm. Um, Cairo was called Nashville. I'll come off it. Or Nashville was called Cairo. One of the two. I think. <laughs> no, I think Cairo was called Nashville. <laughs> it was. It, Let's it, just say it was, and no, and it, leave it at that. Well, you know, I've told you before. You know, it's going to change soon. Uh, it's so. It is without doubt the most polluted place I've well, ever. I think、been. you have said this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they've changed the name. I think it's to November the thirteenth because that is the bit. No, I know.、Uh, they, people who have never heard this show before, I think they just take drugs and talk. But it's true. They're going to change October the thirteenth, I think, because that is the uh, uh, date of the founding of the modern uh, state uh, uh, of Egypt.、Uh, and they should call, call it, it Ho Chi Minh. Well, they've already got that. That's taken. Now, believe me, they did. They looked up. There's a little copyright, little registered sign next to that. So they've gone for October the 13th. And so we live in a world. And forgive me, how many times I say this? Where one day people will be able to say, "What is the capital of Egypt?" And the answer is October the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're actually building a new capital of Egypt. But anyway,、um, that fellow needs to get over to Cairo and get his karma sorted.、Uh, what have you got there? Perhaps this, this one isn't that old, but it's Harry. Roofer. It's about、um, made-up、uh, ghouls and that, as Harry puts it. So, okay, made-up monsters, monsters your and illnesses your parents scared you with. In the sixties, my parents hankered after a Yorkstone fireplace across the whole wall with useful niches. The old man brought home a truck with lots of broken stone on it. However, on closer examination, a lot of it appeared to be old gravestones. On one piece, there was the name Kenneth Spratley. But it was not seen once turned on its side and built into our tasteful embellishment. Me and my little brother—I was about six and him two-ish—didn't like the fact the stone was thus engraved. And every time there was a creak or a knocking in the house, 
my old man would put on a Fife Robinson accent and inquire, <gasps> Is that you, Mr. Spratley? <laughs> oh, come in, Mr. Spratley. Oh, looks like us laughing at a long dead soul. It really put the wind up us. Oh, bet. Also, he was a very vain man, and around the same time, we were living between Chislehurst and Eltham, and he bought himself a Dr. Zhivago forage cat hat. He used to gape at his reflection in the mirror, and my mum would watch him and say, Look at him. Who does he think he is? The Sharif of Mottingham? Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> and two things come out of that. One is uh, the, these shows, even though they we're just opening a portal into another dimension, because uh, I can connect that with Nashville that some people call fire, <laughs> uh, because of uh, the late Glenn Campbell. Who, uh, who sang uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. Stay with this. And I promise you, I'm not just shoehorning. I don't need to. We've got plenty to do. I'm not just shoehorning this. Uh, one of my sister-in-laws once, who, uh, like a lot of women, don't, don't bother with lyrics, and I don't mean that in a disdainful way. Sometimes I'll say, same as my dad did. What's it matter? You know the tune? The words don't matter. He always used to say, they don't. Just sit around thinking, oh, what's the next word? You never sing the song, would you? But the most extreme example of that, she was uh, attending to some washing up in the kitchen, and the, the song uh, uh, Glenn Campbell's uh, Rhinestone Cowboys on, but she sang like a Yorkstone fireplace. She did. <laughs> she sang. And I'm not just said she's... So when you said Yorkstone fireplace, <laughs> why, I... Now we all well. Yeah, now we're like a Yorkstone fireplace. And again, I said, what'd you say? Oh, I don't matter. I'm just singing along to it. A Yorkstone fireplace. The other thing is uh, gravestones and that. Mm -hmm. uh, a church near me down in Greenwich here in London. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it was getting pretty decrepit, but they have now um, um, updated or certainly modernised their graveyard, uh, which is, uh, goes onto the road. St. Alfridge is down here, and they've moved all the tombstones to around the edge, you know, some of them two or three deep. I wouldn't do that if I was a, if I was a workman. Did you hear a scream then? I heard a scream. I really did. I heard a scream then. <laughs> From the soul at St. Alphage's. But, well, but I, I wouldn't do that if I turned up in the form and said, what did they get all them, uh, knock them all down and put them all around? I wouldn't. Ooh. No, have they never seen Poltergeist? It's, 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 but I couldn't do that. Now, again, whatever uh, whatever subject this raises with you, dear listener, if you want to say, well, yeah, I, it, you've got experiences of the graveyards and that, but they've moved all of the tombstones around the edge like they don't matter. Whoa. I know. Uh, uh, Something quick, Peps, and then we'll Yeah, I'll do quick, and then we've got to do our, our, our break. Uh, Jen in Preston, notable names. My mum went to school in the 60s or 70s with a Henry Westerbeek. Mm. Not that unusual, but she was in the same class as Henry's brother, who was Cornelius. Yes, as you would say, Mr. and Mrs. Westerbeek, given of a son, son, named him Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius Westerbeek! Wow, well, of course, Chevy Chase's real name is Cornelius Crane Chase. He's, he's a, 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 oh, my dear friend Cornelius Isett, who I used to work with. So uh, we're going to the break, but uh, might as well get this another uh, one done. Simon got in touch. Apropos of nothing, knock myself out of the subjects, and everyone starts doing things like that. Apropos of nothing, I just discovered there are no trains in Libya. In Libya, there are no train lines at all. Now I am staring off into the middle distance. And so shall we, Simon, as we listen to these important messages. 
Hello, I'm Jay Rayner and I host the Out to Lunch podcast where I take fabulous guests out for lunch and grill them to a turn. For now, whilst lockdown reigns supreme, we're staying in for lunch instead and we've got great company. Fascinating people share only the best takeaways with me over webcam. Great food and insightful conversation with the likes of Gary Neville, Sharon Horgan, George Ezra and Dieter Von Tees. If you Have you ever had a cream pie in the face? No! So if you, like me, enjoy food and are missing restaurants, subscribe to Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, available wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. And we're back again. Thank you very much indeed, Wisby, amongst others there. Uh, we are doing a sort of... It's, it's not a, this is not one of those end-of-series things that they do in America where they just do all clips from past shows. And, you know, they even did that on Happy Days, didn't they? They used to do that on Happy Days, perhaps. Uh, what was the name of that guy who came to visit at a sad time? Oh, I remember. You mean the one... <laughs> cop out at the end of the series when they used to do a compilation. No, this is all new material that we've not got round to in the last few weeks. Uh, we just worked working our way through the year. Uh, some of these emails, I think, did I read that at the time or have I... Have I, have I oh, done? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, here's one. Stop me if it is, Peps, and that's okay. fine. Uh, this is from our subject we did. It happened to me while swimming. Uh, this was from Adam. I regularly swim at my local pool and often on a Sunday I use the mixed-use session or a free-for-all, as it's known. I was going up and down doing links when I saw this kid being given a diving stick to throw into the pool. You know those things, highly coloured rubber truncheon sort of things. Given I was about 15 metres away from him, I didn't feel too concerned and kept on with my lap. The young lad then proceeded to wang this thing straight into the pool, hitting me on the top of the head and putting me under for a moment. I managed to finish my length, to no interest from the lifeguard or his parents, but then I had to get out. The stick had ended up giving me a concussion. I was off work for a couple of days. The only good thing was it hurt less than the time I swam headfirst into a wall while doing the backstroke. Oh. Now, this is from Adam. Uh, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I do, it's always backstroke. my fear in a pool of... Uh, the backstroke is, is an unnecessary stroke. It, 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 people who do it do it ostentatiously. We know that. Uh, nobody does the butterfly. As I see, also butterfly. See also butterfly. Uh, but I do like the kid because I've, I've been in the pool when they throw those things in. They're like the chew toys you give to a dog, and to throw it in with force to hit him. Oh, <laughs> that's tending him under like they're sending him under like a submarine. Oh, then he goes a depth charges hit him, and he came up choking. With bubbles and he was off work for two days with two concussion. Days. Two days with concussion. Now, um, uh, I was talking last night to Jar Wobble. Uh, As one does. I know. Well, well, yeah, I've known so, so long, 40-odd years. Uh, I still call him that, even though uh, his name's John. But anyway, so, um, John Wardle. So, um, and we were talking about swimming bars last night on Twitter. This is on the record, if you remember to see it. And we were talking about, uh, uh, because there's this new sport where you, I didn't even saw it, Peps, I put it on, I retweeted it. Oh, no, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, one, one of the ESPN put it on. There's the sport, and how much do you want to do this? Where at last, at last, 
the top board has been reclaimed oh, from all these professional athletes and poseurs. And the idea is just to launch yourself off the top board as flamboyantly as possible with no attempt at a dive. <laughs> this is clipped and it's proper commentary on it. And people just throw any shape they can and keep moving until they hit the water. Oh, I'm up for that. Very thing they tell you in swimming baths not to do. Yeah, no, no forcing around. No, uh, and uh, women and men just throwing themselves, great big fat fellas, just hitting the water, and it's a sport. Uh, and, and I started talking to John about that, and uh, we went into the various... Uh, what was your local swimming bath, Peps? Um, I would have said it was Hornchurch, Harrow Lodge Park. Modern or, or ancient? Um, it, had, it was ancient, but it, had, it was relatively modernised by the time I was just, It did still have a diving board. But we had, that I, I never three. went on. In, in, in Socialist Britain, uh, I had three within walking distance. The Laurie Grove bars. Oh, the, I had to get a, bar, a bus to These were Victorian and very, very... They, they, even, they were ropey even then. They were just pure concrete and, and marble, I suppose, but freezing. The South, South Park open-air bars, which were absolutely oh, perishing wow. prison, but a beautiful old Lido, a word we never used at the time. And Rother Hive indoor bars, which were beautiful. But Rother Hive indoor bars, because it was modern... Uh, in, I'm sorry if anyone's... Uh, eating a nourishing uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh-style pastry right now. Uh, when you came out the men's and women's changing rooms, when there were such things, when you came out of the men's and women's changing room, there was a foot bath. Oh, don't. Before you actually got to the pool. Oh, soup. Never was there a more revolting oh. than the foot bath water everyone was required to walk through and, you know... I, I, no wonder you can't get older Baruka plasters these days because they're all in there. Oh, oh the most revolting oh. spectacle. Uh, but the, your feet came out of there and into the pool. So much worse. Now, I'm sorry yes. to talk about that. Yeah, were. I, I don't know what it was like on the women's side. I don't know. Just as bad. Some bloke just off a shift or a load of school kids. Oh, don't. Oh, dripping in their own gravy. Oh. But all right, we've been through the foot bath. <laughs> Uh, so, um, anyway, this is getting us absolutely nowhere. What have you got there, Pep? Uh, this is from Sean. What have you stolen? Yes, you. Uh, please take this as my confession. I'm not proud of what I've done, and perhaps this will absolve me. Twelve years ago, me and my wife went to London for a weekend break and stayed at a plush hotel. When we arrived, the reception and foyer were unnaturally busy, lots of official types running hither and thither, and we assumed there was a wedding or conference and some such. We went out for a meal in London and uh, in, Lon- in London in London town <laughs> in and after London. The, in that there London and after that we walked back to the town and took partook of a drink in every bar we passed. Oh, By the time we were back in the foyer, we were a little sozzled to say the least. We fell into the lift and pressed any floor number and laughed about <laughs> our evening as the lift took us up. The elevator slowed to a halt. The doors opened and a burly gentleman in a black tie said, "You here for the party?" I raised an eyebrow at the wife. She smiled and I said, um, yes. <laughs> down there, so on the right-hand side, he said. We followed him and wandered down the carpeted hall until we saw a poster, six foot high. BAFTA Award Winners Party oh. 2008. Oh, let's make think about that. Yeah, I may have been there. I may have been there. <laughs> Here we were outside the post-event celebration. Neither of us BAFTA winners, but we'd come this far. And full of merriment and drink-fueled confidence, we entered. It was actually quite sparse and dark, and we'd obviously missed the massive throngs of guests. Now, in the early hours, only about 12 partygoers left dancing. Disappointed not to see anyone famous, we were about to turn and leave when we saw, unguarded, a BAFTA. 
As the disco ball spun on the ceiling, the BAFTA illuminated and beckoned me towards it. Well, I'll never get the chance to hold one of these again, I thought. I left my wife standing alone, grasped the BAFTA and realised they're actually very heavy. I held it aloft in faux celebration, pretending to be taking a crowd's applause. My wife... As I looked at my wife, I was met with wide, glaring eyes and dramatic hand gestures. I looked around in a panic, but no one was looking at me. Now, please remember, I'm a God-fearing man who went to church every Easter and Christmas had never done anything naughty. Oh, yeah. But I paced briskly towards my wife, grabbed her by the hand, dragged her out of the room, and everything after that is somewhat of a drunken blur. We I must have made it back to the hotel room and I have over 100 selfies of me and the BAFTA in various poses. But the following morning I had pangs of regret. Someone must have worked terribly hard in their industry to achieve this award. Not and on their, night of celebration, <laughs> on their night of celebration, I had stolen it. I was going to take it to reception and say I'd found it, but thought, what if they checked the security cam and saw it was me who'd stolen it and called the police? Surely the winner would explain to BAFTA then that their award had been stolen and they would be given a spare one. So I put the BAFTA in my suitcase Wow! checked out. Wow. The BAFTA is still on our sideboard. I hide it when my mum comes around as she would never forgive me for theft. So to the person who I deprived, I cannot apologise enough. However, oh, I cannot worry about being arrested by the police as I emigrated to Egypt. Oh, look at this. How cyclical is this show? How tremendous. So, what is tit for tat? We've got a bit of the Tutankhamun's tune. He's got the best sound editing of 2008. That seems to me yin and the yang. Uh, uh, Well, uh, I've got an MTV award here, never knowingly ever been on MTV, from TFI Friday. Whoever Ah. was hosting it that year, the host of the MTV awards, was on TFI Friday, and she came in with uh, this award and, and she put it on the desk and the, there is, there is one and everyone went ooh but at the end of it we went and got an advert quick she got up and went and she left her award there so I've got it it wasn't her award she was just, it was just it, that's heavy it's the planet with the spring off it mm. and MTV that's a heavy award one way and the other But well, uh, I thought these awards all had the had the people's names on them so how did no, you no no uh, you were thinking the FA Cup uh, uh, the, uh, <laughs> that's ribbons isn't it but anyway um uh, yes, I don't think they do initially. Let me. Actually, they do, and I'm going to have to say this: all my Sony awards. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And I remind you that Sony retired the category uh, uh, DJ of the year the year I won it, probably oh. because of that. So I am in perpetuity the reigning the DJ of the year. And as Elvis Costello said, all this useless beauty. Uh, this is from Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn's in touch for the subject. Have you ever been shushed or shushed anyone? Ooh. By the way, Peps, I think we should do this every Tuesday. Yes. I think we should just, yeah, I'm not going to sit up coming up with a new show all the time. Let's just coast along on the, the goodwill of the listeners. Uh, this is, were you ever shushed or shushed anyone? Now, uh, again, like many of the um, correspondents we've had today, your sympathy is not entirely with the correspondent. Ah, OK. <laughs> uh, so uh, you've asked, uh, where were you shushed? This has happened to me twice in similar circumstances. As a change to our normal plans, a group of six of us decided rather than just go to the pub meal somewhere, we'd all go out and do a bit different. We hit upon going to the bingo for a laugh. All excited, off we went. We joined up, got loyalty cards, purchased dobbers and got a table. 
I can tell you, Friday early evening, there are quite a few serious players in Worthing with their eyes seriously down. Just by entering the venue, we also brought the age limit down by a few decades. Beer was cheap and wine was better value by the bottle. And to be honest, after a bit, we couldn't keep up with the lines and numbers things. We just started talking amongst ourselves. As more games went by, various evil stares from the locals daggered our way until we were told by the caller himself over the tannoy... Uh, the table over there, could you just shush, please? Could you just shush? Breathe. We, we, we were horrified. We looked around, and of course, several of the other old girls. Shh! We were well and truly shushed. My previous shushing incident was in Nottingham Bingo with a hockey team on a night out. It was summer, so training and matches were off. Again, the cheap wine, and this time, not only were we remonstrated with from the tannoy, we were removed from the hall. Caroline. Now, Caroline, I've got to say... Um, Did you learn nothing? <laughs> Both times, went to bingo and chatted to it. I don't know, imagine being in the pictures in front of Caroline. Oh. Imagine being... <laughs> but thank you very much indeed for that. But our sympathies, I'm afraid, remain with the octogenarians on the Sussex coast. Something from you, Peps? Uh, this is from Clive in West Wickham. Hmm. What have you been chased by? A few years back, my wife and I spent a lovely 10 days on Antigua. Check in. There was a restaurant a short walk along the beach from our hotel, and one evening we ate there. A lovely beach coma type of place with a coconut palm leaf roof, barrels on the sand, etc. We sat down and ordered foods and drinks. So far, so idyllic. My then girlfriend and now wife Anne nipped to the loo, and as I sat there taking in the sunset, from the corner of my eye, I noticed something drop from the coconut leaf roof onto the sand. Thinking nothing of it, I looked back at the sea and then noticed more movement from the corner of my eye. I turned and saw the hugest spider I had ever seen running up the sides of the empty oh. barrel next to ours. Five or six centimetres across, pale sandy colour, lithe and hairy. <laughs> it suddenly stopped running, seemed to stare at me before leaping towards me, waving no. its arms and legs like a face hugger in Alien. <laughs> Anne came back from the loo, finding me screaming my head off, trying to hit the spider with my flip-flop as a table of locals were killing themselves with laughter. The creature disappeared as suddenly it has appeared and we sat down. I didn't really enjoy my meal, as to every other diner's amusement. Every time the evening breeze moved the hairs on my leg, I jumped yeah. up thinking the spider <laughs> was back to finish the job. While we were waiting for the bill, the thing appeared again the front legs slowly clawing over the top of our barrel and took another flying leap at me. It had a personal Great. grudge. It missed, landed on the sand and scuttled away. When we got back to our hotel, I said to the staff, what are the horrible, aggressive, sand-coloured spiders? No one said they'd ever seen one. We only have tarantulas here. And they're big and black and move slowly, was the response. Mm. I asked all locals over the next few days and have Googled it with no success. Wow. So a new breed of aggressive spider, apart from these killer hornets we're all waiting for. Just a tarantula with sand on it. I hate to... Again, I hate to gender these things, but uh, that is, it, it is the absolute decisive and forensic female mind. Blokes would sit there going, I know what it was, we'll have to look at it. You know, nine eyes and, and then the woman looks over and goes, well, it's probably just a tarantula sand on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might have been... <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, exactly tarantula is no, still. You're absolutely right. It was. It fell. He said it fell into the sand, and then because <laughs> he watches Doctor Who, it came up on the table. But uh, by the way, what is five or six centimeters? Is that like two feet? Two inches. It's not happening. Oh, is it? Oh well. You it? heard me <laughs> pause as I went. Oh. <laughs> well, this is from Yuna, and this is a, a, a subject that rolls on and on, I'm happy to say so, and he's getting lines at school, uh, and this is beautiful. Uh, my son was given lines to write at school after, on a Saturday morning. Detention, I didn't know he did detention Ooh, on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, some schools. It's really bad to get a Saturday morning one. Well, she says my son would, I said, you have to be, because that means the teacher's got to come in. Don't give Saturday morning detention. What are they doing? <laughs> They'll go out on Friday nights and get hammered. Uh, my son was given lines to write during a Saturday morning detention at school. I found them in his blazer pocket and have kept them to be produced on his wedding day or some such auspicious occasion. Well done, Yuna. What he was given, he had to write 200 times, these are the best days of my life. Oh, well done, teacher. Oh, teacher. <laughs> I want you to write out 200 times. These are the best days of my life. And imagine, by the time you've got the number 73 line, you'd be thinking, say if they are. Say <laughs> if they are. Say if this is it. From there on, it's all downhill. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Yuna. I'll just give you another uh, quick one while I'm here. Mm. Uh, it's an update. Oh, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll do the one uh, from Keithy Baby, Baby Keithy. Um, uh, if this was the other week when we said, um, uh, don't talk to me about fruit. <laughs> now, I know fruit. Keith works on a, uh, a fruit and nut stall. Ah. And he says, he says, I work on a market stall selling whole foods, seeds, nuts, spices, snacks, dried fruit and the like. Our dried mango pieces are extremely popular. One day I was opening a packet to give out as samples when a sharp edge gave me what looked like a paper cut just below my knuckles. Ooh, suck that, I said, and just carried on. After about an hour, it had gone red and swelled up, leaving me unable to move my two fingers. The cut was tiny, you could barely make it out. Luckily, the doctors were local, so off I went and got an appointment. The nurse came out and found it amusing, to be fair, because she'd never seen a mango-related injury before. She went and got a doctor for a second opinion. The doctor came out and confirmed I did indeed have a mango-related infection and prescribed a course of antibiotics. He had a smirk on too, by the way. I'm off dried mangoes now, but I still do love it as a pickle. Now, there's plenty to unpack there with Keith, uh, because here we've heard about this 10-foot spider of Madagascar or wherever it was, I can't think back that far, that was covered in sand and bloody fangs, and that did no harm at all. And yet Keith, honest toiling tradesman, there in his marketplace, unpacks a mango, ends up at death's door. Uh, this is the unknown world in which we toil, perhaps. Give us something quick and we'll, we'll wind up on the good people. This is from Sean about um, good and bad dreams. I've had an odd dream once and this seems the place for it. I'd committed a crime of some sort. I don't know what it was, but I had been nicked and sentenced. My punishment was I had to be Rod Hull for five years. <laughs> the previous bloke who had been Rod Hull had been freed. They brushed his hair and sent him back to civvies. However, they took me in a room, messed up my hair, gave me a safari suit and a false arm with emu 
and I was him. I spent five years attacking chat show hosts with a ratty old bird. How about that? That is, I'm not going to attempt to follow that. That is as good as vivid uh, an alcohol-induced <laughs> fever dream gets. Well, this kind of roundup on Tuesdays, I, I think, well, not entirely regular, but it, it shows you the kind of wealth of correspondence we've been overlooking in our arrogance, in our pomp spending 12 minutes before the show talking about Ho Chi Minh, pastry chef. But in the meantime, if you want to play the theme tune there... One, two, three, four... Climb up, go in, let's cozy down Wave goodbye to that silly frown As we chase our cares away In the treehouse The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away in the tree. Take it away, Danny! Thanks, Phil. That's Napoleon, Louise, Pepper, Ho Chi Minh on the other side of London, always great, co-hosting the show. Phil Wilding has been producing it on behalf of something else who give us the platform. But as you can literally see this week, it is chiefly yourselves. We'll see you Saturday, everyone. 